0: And Welcome to Tremendous Tales with me, Liz Pichon. I write and draw all the Tom Gates books and other books like Shoe Wars. In this podcast, I find out what tasty treat keeps my guests going when the book deadlines are looming. We hear their Tremendous Tale, a Tremendous Fail because we all make mistakes and get some top tips on drawing. There'll be a lot of lovely book recommendations and I'll also be asking you, the listener, to join in and play along with our spectacular game we're calling What's That Sound, for obvious reasons. <laughs> My talented guest today is the fabulous Stephen Lenton. He is a multi-award winning illustrator, originally from Cheshire, now working in his studios in Brighton and London. He has illustrated many children's books, including Head Kid and The Taylor Turbo Chaser by David Baddiel. The 101 Dalmatians, adapted by Peter Bentley, the Shifty McGifty and Slippery Sam series by Tracy Cordroy, Frank Cottrell Boyce's fiction titles, of which there are many, and Stephen Butler on the Sainsbury's prize-winning The Nothing to See Here Hotel series. He's also illustrated two World Book Day titles and regularly appears at book festivals, live events and schools across the UK. His picture books, Octopus Shocktopus, written by Peter Bentley, has won the FCBG Best Picture Book Overall and Overall Winner category. It's also just charted at number four on the books loaned out from public libraries in the past year. We love libraries, and I hope everyone listening will go out and join their local library and take out even more of Stephen's books. The Genie and Teenie series is his first foray into children's illustrated fiction and was long listed in the Alligator's Mouth Award. Stephen only lives down the road from us in Brighton. He has the cutest dog in the world called Big Eared Bob that I'm yet to meet, but I'm hoping it won't be long. Um, so hello, Stephen, and how are you? And thank you so much for being very patient. We've had a few technical issues this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so being very good, um, um, but we're here now, and the joys of tech we are. is that even though you live down the road, it's actually easier to do it separately. But um, how are you and what have you been up to this morning? Tell us what you've been I'm
1: up to. Very good. Thank you, Liz. Um, it's so nice to see you eventually without a big delay. I felt like I was in Australia. I've never been to Australia because I felt like I've just visited Australia <laughs> without a Ironically, no.
0: we'd probably get a better tech thing for if you were in Australia and just
1: down the <laughs> probably. road. But- well, next so time, you- get me on next year and I'll go on holiday to Australia. <laughs>
0: What have you been up to this morning? I saw that you were at our, our lovely local bookshop, The Book Nook.
1: I was. Yes, because it is – well, I don't know when you'll be listening to this, guys, but it is uh, National Bookshop Day today. So I thought I'd pop down with Stephen Butler and our dog, Big Ear Bob, as you've mentioned, who you will meet soon, I'm sure, <laughs> to Book Nook. I bought a couple of books, um, including Alex T. Smith's new one, um, The Grumpus, which looks absolutely beautiful. And, yeah, we uh, drew a little genie and teeny genie outside as well. And um, our other friend, Nick Sharrett is going to do – well – he's doing an event this morning as well so he's very busy at the book nook in Hove.
0: oh we're so lucky to have such a brilliant local indie bookshop they do an awful lot of very, work with us and there's yeah. weirdly there's an awful lot of illustrators and authors that live down in brighton in this part of the world why do you think so means? many are you i don't know then, Steve? <laughs>
1: Well, I came here because it was slightly more affordable than buying somewhere in London. Uh, so that's partly why I did it. But it was nice to know because I knew uh, Ben Mantle, who's actually now moved away, but I had some illustrator author friends here, um, like Chris Chatterton, but he's now moved to Barcelona. I don't, well, since a I, arrived, <laughs> I know, since I arrived, I think I need to shower more often. Or something. And someone needs to tell me uh, new deodorants. Yes, everyone left as soon as I arrived. But I can't name names because I know that there are three new author illustrators that are arriving in brighton over the next couple of months before christmas so wow one so book- one very near to my studio and then and then two of them at the end of my road so we can have a huge big christmas party with all of them
0: hopefully. well you're very good at organizing a do aren't you you're very good at. i do it.
1: like i do like organizing a do yes we had a brilliant um author illustrator picnic in um the park uh, Regent's Park over the summer which was brilliant because just after covid it just felt like it was such a weird time where some people were going to small gatherings and um book launches and mm. events but then a lot of people were still nervous so i thought it was a good idea to do something outside
0: yeah and don't um, pretend like authors and illustrators i mean actually we do spend quite a lot of time on our own with our own thoughts talking to ourselves yeah. so it's actually is quite yeah. nice to get to get out and have a chat which is partly you know when I meet authors and illustrators they've always got really interesting stories and, and I actually don't know anything about how you started so is this what you imagined doing mm. when you were a kid and how did you get started in the world of illustration
1: what kind of kid well, it- were you uh, I was quite, uh, not nerdy, I was very quiet, I was very shy and I was very nervous all the time and I, I, I've sort of overcome that now and people are amazed when I say this, I'm always anxious but I am, but I just push myself to just get out there, go on stage, keep drawing, keep chatting and making videos and things but I was very quiet, I was very good, I used to go everywhere with my mum, I used to go to the gingerbread cafe most mornings <laughs> with my mum in Congleton and have a gingerbread man and mum would have a cup of tea, it was all quite, you know, quite timetabled and scheduled in a really nice way so hello mum and dad if you're listening
0: obviously you're an incredibly successful illustrator now all the all the books that I read out that you've illustrated for other people but you know what, what do you feel like what's the best thing about being an illustrator then do you think
1: I obviously it's creativity and as a child I was always drawing um mm. uh, to finish off what, what you asked me I forgot I went off down a tangent uh, about gingerbread men because it's, it's, <laughs> it's lunchtime we recording. it's a lunchtime I know sorry um, so no, drawing, creating, I, I was obsessed with Disney when I was younger and animation. So I, I trained as an animator. I've got a BA and, a, and an MA wah, wah, in um, animation, animation studies, anatomical studies and life drawing that I did at Dundee University. And I think it's just, just being creative makes me happy. And so doing something that makes you happy as a job, that almost doesn't feel like a job is the goal for everybody. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to be an illustrator. It might be football. It might be netball. It might be hockey. It might be being a rocket scientist. It could be absolutely anything. A teacher, you name it. You know, if that thing makes you happy and you can earn some pennies doing it so you can afford to live and have a nice time, then that's the end goal, I think, really, isn't it? For for a career and, and happiness. So I've just grown Mark accustomed i nodding
0: furiously, just going, yeah.
1: yes. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely it's true, true. It's true. Yeah, true. no, it really yeah. is. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, it just, it makes me happy coming up with new ideas. What I love though, I do like coming up with, with my own books like Genie and Teeny. but what I really love is collaborating with authors because I love doing events with people because that limits your anxiety and stops you getting so het up about the situation because you're a team. Mm. If, uh, making a book is a big team effort, as you know, because you've created so many amazing books and you have a fantastic team around you you have a designer you have an editor you have a publicist you have so many people around you and it makes it feel like you're not on your own even if 90% of the time you pretty much are uh, alone with your head and your thoughts in your studio or wherever you work hoping that what you're about to create on your own in your own mind loads of people are going to like so there's a lot of pressure isn't there but if you're enjoying the pressure and you've got a good end result then I think it's worth it
0: And this brings us very nicely on to um, your snack of choice, because I'm dying to find out more (laughs) about your snack. While you're working away and you're on your deadline, we like to talk about a little section that we're calling Snack Chat. There we go. So, Stephen, very pleased that you've decided that this is your snack of choice. What would you like to tell us about it? Well, I was trying to think.
1: Yeah, well, they're they're very noisy. I wonder if anyone, I know it's it's... It's not what's that sound, Maybe but can yet. anyone guess? Can <laughs> anyone guess? Um, they are they're quite, quite old school, although I feel like they're fairly, uh, a fairly modern snack, and I guess they are, but they've been out for years and years, haven't they? Mm. Um, when you asked me to um, think of my favourite snack, I, want, I, I I thought, oh, there must be something unusual that I eat or something strange, but I don't think there really is. So my go to is a tangy cheese Dorito. It's Wonderful. got to be a tangy cheese Dorito. I love them with sour cream. I love them on their own. I can eat an entire, I've got a massive bag here. I can eat the full bag in about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, it's the, I like all the Doritos. but, but the Tangy cheese is your favourite. Tangy cheese, yeah, it's that. It, obviously they've all got a great crunch, that, that satisfying shape. Um, I just
0: got a whiff when I opened the bag as well.
1: They're like, Oh, oh no, you're not going to leave Brighton as well, are you? No. Oh, you mean the Doritos?
0: The Doritos, yes.
1: Okay, yes, yes, the cheesy Doritos, not the cheesy feet or anything. Yeah, they're very pungent. But it's a very strong flavour. I often try and search for the one with the darkest colour, you know, the most orange and dark, because that's going to, you know, burn the roof of your mouth off sometimes. And I find them comforting. Um, Also, they're so adaptable. Like I said, sour cream, you can, um, you know, add um, salsa, you can add cheese, bung them in the microwave, bung them in the oven, they're very adaptable. So you could basically live off doritos obviously we're not
0: encouraging that our listeners just to Doritos.
1: (laughs) well also you have to well the older you get you have to limit your intake of anything that's exciting because you just put weight on like that don't you so you have to be careful
0: well i was trying to look up a few sort of facts like i've been doing with all the snacks so when you when you sort of google it this is not like a lot of fact checking here (laughs) so people also ask do 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 doritos actually have cheese in them and apparently there are there are more than 30 ingredients including romano cheese cheddar cheese buttermilk red and green bell pepper powder so there's lots of other things Mm. that we can't pronounce and actually doritos is a word of mexican spanish origin the name Mm -hmm. of the famous chip is derived from the word doradito Meaning, I've probably said that wrong, meaning little bits of gold. So there you go. Oh,
1: well, I'd agree.
0: Frito-Lay, the company that makes Doritos, had a Disneyland restaurant named Casa de Frito. In 1964, workers at Casa de Frito, again, apologies for my pronunciation, (laughs) decided to experiment with the leftover tortillas. So they fried and seasoned them. And little did they know that their revised recipe would become the famous orange chips. So there you go.
1: Wow. I didn't know any of that. I've never dared look at the ingredients. (laughs) 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 I'm never never going to eat one again. now. Thanks, You've ruined my favourite snack.
0: (laughs) So you've already described, you know, if you're under pressure, under a bit of a deadline, you'd reach for the packet of Doritos and add various other dips and nice things to go with them. Well, we definitely approve. I'm passing them over to Mark. No, I know who was very happy about that. We like a Dorito in this family.
1: It's so important, isn't it? When you, especially when you're working a deadline. Again, it doesn't have to be book related. If you're just against pressure, you need to keep yourself happy. And if having the odd snack does that and keeps you, going and keeps you awake, then just go for it. As long as you're not eating them all, I know a joked earlier, but obviously you don't eat them all the time. They are a treat um, as part of a healthy uh, <laughs> nutritional diet, balanced.
0: Mark and I wrote a song <laughs> for the Tom Gates series, which we called um, Chips. And it's like it's called yes. the School Dinner Blues. Like chips, the chorus is like chips. What do you want? We want chips. When do you want them now? And I once went on to um, Breakfast TV where they were talking about the new book. And just before I went on, there was a whole thing on um, uh, obesity. <laughs> so oh, no, I did, did the whole <laughs> thing, and then and then right afterwards they played that clip, and I was sort of sat there going, "Well, you know, the oh. lyrics of the song are chips are you know a treat, but not every day." Exactly. 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 So there you go. That's our disclaimer. Everything in moderation. Everything in moderation. That's our disclaimer. Thank you so much, Stephen, for sharing your um, tremendous snack. So the next wonderful section of this podcast is, as you've already alluded to, you have a tremendous tale that you would like to share with us. So Stephen, here's the section that we're calling
1: Tremendous Tales. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Off you go, then. Are you impressed?
1: <laughs> I, do lo- I do love the stings. They go. do what they say on the tin, don't they? They do, me? yes. So they're very good. Well, do you know what? It's not actually a big story. It's more of a fact that I almost mentioned. Because when I was growing up, our family, the Lenten family, I think you might know this. I don't know if you know this. We own, and still run to this day, a pom-pom factory. No, I did not know this. What? A pom-pom factory. Really? So it yeah, kind of is a trend. Yes. So... When you say a pom-pom factory, a lot of people think, what, in the 80s people, you say, what, cheerleading pom-poms? Do you mean, you know, cheerleaders, you know, the big fluffy pom-poms, all different colours and foils mm. and everything. But no, it's the little pom-poms with the little goggly eyes on, oh. eyes, and the sticky feet that say, you know, come to Alton Towers, I'll be, you know royal bank of scotland i've got ibs you know all those kind of things yes they make other things as well my eldest brother runs it now because my dad retired so my brother took over the business they've still got um about i think it's three or four pom-pom making machines so there's yarn that goes all along the ceiling it's a bit willy wonkery this sounds absolutely brilliant Well, it's a bit crazy it's in the center of macclesfield and there's been yeah numerous people have worked there over the years you know from the from the late 70s onwards did you work there as well I did. I used to work there every summer. I used to design some of the characters, which sort of got my interest going, because Dad used to help me design some of the uh, creatures. And one of the good facts is, I don't know if you were a member of the Dennis the Menace fan club, or you know of the Dennis the Menace fan club. I do know, yeah. Well, all the fluffy Nasher badges were made and designed by my dad in Macclesfield. So wow. they all came from our factory in Macclesfield. So a little Dennis the Menace fact there as well. So, yeah, I would work there sometimes designing. Majority of the time, I was bagging up pom poms, so weighing pom poms and putting them in big bags. And then they would go to the outworkers who have glue guns, glue sticks, sticky feet, ribbons, the eyes that stick on. And they make, over a weekend, they would make thousands of pom-pom creatures. And then they come back to the factory on a Monday morning and hand over the goods. And then they get their pennies. And then all the pom-poms get shipped off to wherever they need to go around the world. So it was really quite cool. It was like being Greg from, you know, inside the (laughs) factory. It was like being, I was inside the factory just with more hair.
0: As a kid though, I was I was always fascinated. I even remember the bits on Play School that I used to watch when I was really little and anytime they showed something yeah. being made in a factory, it yeah. was fascinating. Brilliant. That yeah, must have been so. That, did yeah. your friends ever? Did you ever give like little tours? Like your friends would come in from school and have a look around the factory. Sometimes,
1: and yet some of my best friends at the time they would come and work with me as well oh. because they used to be really busy over the summer. I don't know how busy it is now. Uh, yeah, it used to be really busy. So some of my friends used to make the pom characters over the weekends or or during summer holidays. And um, yes, yeah, some of them would come in and, and help. There was lots of you have to press out the foam bits. You have to count the eyes. A lot of counting and weighing, basically. <laughs> but it was really it was really good fun um and sometimes when the secretary was on holiday i would do like invoicing and answering the phone as well sending faxes (gasps) remember faxes i do sending faxes
0: yeah Yeah. wow that's brilliant oh that's a really interesting fact
1: the family sort of you know cause them fluffy bits of tat because dad would come home literally with a nice suit on covered in pom-pom fluff (laughs) like like the sugar sugar puff monster so
0: you weren't tempted to go into the pom-pom trade then um no, because
1: it's all comes down to, it's all sales people. Mm. And I used to go to all the um, gift fairs in the, like Birmingham, NEC and places like that. And no, I knew I didn't want to be a sales rep. <laughs> no, thanks.
0: It's funny because my dad um, used to sell sweets. and he had, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he used to work as a sales rep for Roundtree Macintosh and there was oh, a, cool. there was a big factory in in Bermondsey in London called Shuttleworths and when it closed down him and a few other people they set up their own small company and they used to sell pick, right. pick a mix so they were the fir- oh, one wow. of the first people before Woolworths <sighs> to do pick a mix and they used to oh, supply Woolworths. all the they used to supply supply all the sweet shops it was actually sort of the Woolworths thing that their business kind of went off because everyone was oh, doing it yeah, in Woolworths they took over. but all my friends just thought it was incredible because he he would have these huge bags of sweets just in the back of the car yeah and we'd, yeah. We'd, we'd have to drive them you know to the sweet shops and we used to do all the school fairs and things like he would supply we'd have a sort of stand where we'd supply all the little bags of sweets and And everyone thought it was great but you know didn't do very much for my teeth
1: I think <laughs> I bet, I bet. Although they look lovely now. You've got a the the nashers, nashers going back to the pom-poms. Got to look
0: after your teeth. Oh, that's such a good story. Thank <laughs> you so much, Stephen, for sharing your fantastic, tremendous tales about the pom-poms. I'm never going to look at them in the same way again. I will know where they come from. So now yes. we come to the section where, obviously, we're calling it... <laughs> So we've got a special <laughs> sound for you today, which Mark has been working right. working for absolutely ages. Um, I'm now sh- this is a
1: bit I've been nervous about because you can prepare for everything else, but you can't prepare for what that sound exactly.
0: I'm sure you've had a sleepless night of excitement waiting to play our game. So here we go. Okay,
1: let's have I'm a really listen.
0: You can play at home. Okay. Listen, we want the listeners to try and play along at home as well, or wherever you are. Okay. a bit funky, doesn't it? Is it Jean-Michel (laughs) Jarre's Back Garden? (laughs) It could be. It sounds like the start of a a rave, doesn't it? Let's have another listen. (laughs) I'm kind of being thrown here because I can hear tweeting birds at the same time. It sounds
1: a bit like a squirrel stuck on a washing line and he's doing SOS on it, <laughs> like dung, 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 <laughs> trying to, it sounds bizarre. It sounds like nothing I've ever heard in my life. Oh, well, that, that's a really difficult one. Okay.
0: Let's have another... Can you give us any clues then? Well, I, I, do you know what? I'm, I'm going I'm to stick with the squirrel doing an SOS thing, <laughs> with little paws ding, just going ding ding ding, 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 ding. Yeah,
1: going like help, help, yeah. help, 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 help. I'm baffled, absolutely baffled. One more One more time. One more time. Let's have a listen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. One more. Sorry. It's yeah. Totally natural. No human interference. Oh. oh okay. <laughs> oh. Is it raindrops on something? Yeah. Ra- raindrops on. It's not raindrops on roses and whisks. <laughs> it's rain. It's, it's raind- <laughs> raindrops on. Hold on. I'm just thinking what would make that. Dun- 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 dun. It's like not a dustbin, but it's raindrops on something in the. Um, no, but what makes that dung, du dung, dung dun sound? I can't think. Raindrops falling on a a, a, a a wheelie bin. I don't know. Do you want
0: to share? What's the answer then, Mark?
1: It's actually raindrops coming down a drain pipe. Drain pipe? Of course, the, hence the echoey dung, du dung, dun, dun. Of course it was. Where did you get that from then? Back of our house. <laughs> Oh, well done, well done. I thought it was such a weird sound, I have to record that. It was a weird sound. That, I think that's a, No, I listened to the first series and there weren't any as difficult as that. <laughs> you've, upped your, you've upped your game, guys. <laughs> okay. You've upped your game. You've upped
0: your game oh, These are far too easy. Let's make them really hard. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, well well done. I mean, you, you should get a round of applause because you did almost get the whole oh. thing there. Go on, let's have a round of applause sort of for Stephen. Ish. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Great. So on this podcast, we also like to talk to people about their tremendous fails, because oh. we always think that sometimes you can learn more from the things that go wrong. So, Stephen, have you got a tremendous fail that you'd like to share with us?
1: I sort of had, but it sort of came good in the end. It could have gone horribly wrong. Well, we and that's like, why we like those, particularly. Fail. So now you know all about World Book Day, don't you, Liz? Because you're heavily involved in World Book Day. Well, I was involved, me and Tracy corduroy author of The Shift to Be Gifted and Cyprian Sam series, were going to, was it Aberystwyth, I think, in Wales? We were going to Wales. Now, it was just before The Beast from the East hit. So, was that about four years ago, mm. I think? So, The Beast from the East, that would be
0: some really, really bad weather.
1: Absolutely, really, really horrendous like a, weather.
0: A, not like a fairy
1: tale creature. <laughs> no, no, sadly not. So, we got there. We were with our boss from Nosy Crow, Kate Wilson. And there was a lady from Macmillan as well called Alex. And there were no trains Mm. going from one side of Wales to the other. So Kate hailed down a taxi, fortunately with um, people who had big purses. So we (laughs) we had to hire a taxi from one side of wales all the way to the other side so that was a bit disastrous it took about two and a half hours Ooh. and the, the taxi driver was not the friendliest chap and he kept stopping for various reasons and left us in the taxi a few times anyway eventually got to the hotel all was fine went out for a meal that night me and tracy were sitting near each other frank Cottrell Boyce was there oh, name drop um, and- Uh, Yeah, everyone was kind of all right. Kirsten Grant, who at the time was running World Book Day, she was coming to join us for the meal or a drink. She fell over and uh, broke her ankle. (gasps) Oh, no. Then we wake up in the... So that was terrible, quite a tricky day. And then we woke up in the morning, and I don't know what... Now I'm, I'm not going to go into details, don't worry, because this is a it's a family show. <laughs> I woke up in the morning and I thought, oh, my tummy doesn't feel right. Anyway, kept an eye on that. Went down. We got to the venue. Everything was sort of all right. Kate Wilson comes up to me during our tech run and she said, Stephen, just to let you know, Tracy's eaten something last night and it hasn't agreed with <gasps> her. She's actually quite poorly, oh. so she might not be able to go on stage. And I said, Kate. I've eaten something oh, no. and I'm not very well. So basically, me and Tracy were high-fiving, sharing the one toilet behind the stage, hoping that we weren't going to have an accident on stage when all the audience were coming in. And it was just awful. We were just many? How many, how many children thinking, were there? How, who, how many people were there? There was about, about 3,000 in this big auditorium oh. in Aberystwyth. <gasps> so we were just so panicky. And we went on. We did it.
0: You did it's your It all friend. went Okay.
1: It was all. It was all fine. Yes, we didn't. Yes, we didn't have it. No accident. It was all fine. And then, but then at the end, because of the weather was so bad, all the schools had to leave. So we didn't need any of the children. We didn't sell any books. And we just had to go home, hopefully not having any um, untoward accidents on the train back. So it was kind of a disastrous day. And it was a sort of pretty epic fail. But the children didn't know, which was fine. And there was no, yes, no unhappy accident. So it was all right in the end. But it just goes to show, you know, you've got to have faith. Again, it was nice because I was with Tracy. Unfortunately, we were both ill and we don't, I can't remember which hotel we were at. We'd obviously both eaten something because everyone else was absolutely fine. (laughs) <laughs> um, but another thing, there was a bit more of a fail because I had to draw one of our characters, Red Rocket, who's the um, baddie Red Panda in Shifty McGifty. I did a 30 second challenge. I had to draw him in 30 seconds, but I forgot to draw the tail oh. because I was so worried about needing the loo. I forgot to draw his big tail at the end. And Kate Wilson from Nozzy Crow was shouting, the tail, draw the tail. Because <laughs> she's, she's quite past. Draw the tail. Um, yeah, so fails all round. Fails all round.
0: Well, it sounds like especially with events, that no matter what happens, you still manage to get there in the end. And also, yes. you know, I think when you are an illustrator and an author, you don't actually ever think about how much events play a part in what you've got to do and finding out no. ways to do it. So I like the fact that you struggled through. Well done about that. And uh, you got there in the end. And also you got to we have a, a great, I bet that's a story that you have told a lot. <laughs>
1: It is yes, because when people talk about yes, (laughs) yes, I I didn't go into all the details here, but um, yes, there was nothing, nothing too terrible.
0: Well, it's a tremendous fill that actually ended up being okay in the end. Yes,
1: yes. well done, as most of them do, don't they? Although they gave us all a packed lunch to have on our train journeys home, Mm. and Tracy started eating hers when I was with her. I was like Tracy. don't (laughs) don't don't eat anything she's like oh i'll be i'm all right now i'm all right now and then she texted me later she's like you're right Stephen. i shouldn't have had that fat lunch me and Trace were both aware that it was going to turn into that section from bridesmaids the movie halfway through our stage show but fortunately (laughs) it didn't it's happening it's happening most of our
0: listeners probably wouldn't know about that but there you go we can we can visualize it actually probably best not to anyway (laughs) don't visualize visualize it no thank you so much for your um, tremendous fail so now this is a really good time you you are an absolutely brilliant illustrator now you're you're writing your own stories as well so i'm really curious you've mentioned frank cocktail Boyce and some of the other people that you work with how does that work then stephen what do you do do you get the text and then you read it all through and how much how much say do the your fellow authors do they have in the work that you do and the characters that you develop
1: well It changes from each author that I work with because I've been working with Tracy for so long. It's really collaborative. Tracy has the initial idea. Same with Stephen Butler. With Frank Cottrell Boyce, it's really exciting because he often has a little diary or a little book uh, like a scrapbook mm-hmm. of ideas and he will send it to wow. me before I start designing. So I've got a good idea of what he's thinking about, uh, where his influences have come from. Like with Runaway Robots, he'd already printed out and stuck in and drawn a few robot ideas, brilliant. how he wanted the robot to look. Yeah. So that's why Frank's one of my favourite collaborators, I think, because he's just so interesting and, and his scrapbooks are really phenomenal. The only thing I don't like is then I'm, I'm responsible for handing it back or posting it back. Yeah. Yes. and I'm always terrified that have been that I'm going to lose these fail. precious items. That would have been a classic <laughs> tremendous fail, yeah. But um, but then and that, but then it's very different with David Bedil because he's so busy working on lots of different programs and things. I don't have as much interaction with him, although I did just spend some time with him at the Bath Festival last weekend and we had a chat um, because we've got our new book coming out called Virtually Christmas, Ooh. which is exciting. Lots
0: of Christmas books, I. Oh, that's interesting. yeah So, have you got any sort of? top tips or something that you'd recommend especially for children if they're just starting out I'm sure you get asked lots of questions yeah
1: well I do obviously we all do lots of draw-alongs um in person and on and on um YouTube and everything don't we and I always say because sometimes when we're drawing we draw in a big flip chart or uh, you know a big piece of paper with a big marker pen and sometimes the children feel like they have to fill the space they have to work large Mm. and I always say to them no have a really small I've got a really small sketchbook that I always start my ideas in first. Start small because then you're not spending as as a time on things that might never come to fruition. Start small, and then as you get more confident and as you think that idea might grow into something, then move to a slightly larger sketchbook, like A4. So I'll start A5, and then I'll go to A3 or A2. So A4
0: is a smaller one, and then and then you work bigger. That's Um, really that that is a really brilliant tip, and you know even now sometimes. You know, like you get these sketchbooks that have got really nice paper in them and really nice covers and they're Mm. really nice objects. And even now I find them a bit sort of intimidating when they've got really fancy paper because I think, oh, I don't want to waste it. So I tend to work on really thin, just, you know, I I don't work any paper.
1: Yeah, small and cheap, I think, and also <laughs> just work on different bits of paper and stick them in your sketchbook. It doesn't matter. It also makes the sketchbook look more interesting for people to look at as well. A bit more, you know, more textures and different sizes of paper. Yeah, but always start small because sometimes I do see children struggling because they feel like, and also if they're using a thin pen or a thin pencil, you're not going to cover a big sheet of paper with that. You need to pick a thicker paintbrush or a marker pen. So start small and also use a small, a small nib or a, a 2B pencil. I wouldn't go underneath a 2B pencil because that gives you a better depth of line Excellent. Uh, as well. So make sure, uh, yes, minimal um, um, and 2B, B of 2. In,
0: in case they don't know, the, the, the diff- pencils come in different hardness and softness and they have like a yes. – so an HB is what is right in the middle. And then yeah. four, the, if you get like 4B is a very soft pencil – um, and yeah. then so the 2B is a nice in-between. In between. That's a nice perfect. Yeah. Good yeah. tip. Just Excellent. I'm thinking, yeah, that's a really good tip. Well done, Steve. That will be a very useful tip to pass on. Thank you for that. Yes. Um, no problem. And um, this is the part that we also uh, love to get a recommendation of a tremendous book. Ooh. So anything that you've read when you were a child or any kind of book that you're reading now, it's just something that you can
1: recommend. Well... Everyone goes on about Roald Dahl and everything, but uh, my go-to book is the original version (gasps) of James the Giant Peach, actually not the illustrated one by Quentin Blake. It was Nancy Eckholm Burkett, who is my favourite Roald Dahl illustrator. I love it. My friend Jonathan Lloyd had it when he was little. And I remember saying to mum, mum, look at the cover. There's a peach and the sharks underneath and the seagulls and there's insects. It's such a cover that it really draws you in and you have to just read that book. So that's an oldie, but one that I'm obsessed with at the moment, which i highly recommend is by my friend tor freeman who is the illustrator of richard iawadi's new book now it's all about the book that didn't want to be read and it's all from the perspective of the book talking to you as if it's being discovered by a child it's very very clever it's incredibly funny tor freeman is a genius and she really adds a lot to richard's text so it's sort of part graphic novel and sort of part book autobiography it's really weird but it's In a good absolutely way. brilliant oh, do you know, absolutely brilliant you're the
0: second person on the podcast that has recommended her
1: oh well there you go so that's she's, well i mean brilliant.
0: And, and also use the words she's a genius <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, she just she just is she's she's so so very good and uh, yeah underrated I would say I think there should be more Tor Freeman bits and pieces well, out there. She's let's just the wonderful. word.
0: I think it was Sarah McIntyre, wasn't it? Sarah McIntyre when
1: she was talking about oh yeah comics. Yeah. I and think she's a fan. Yes, she's... and Nadia Shireen as well. I think is a Tor Freeman fan. Well, I think she's doing um, even more now. Yeah. Oh, and I should also mention because my partner Stephen Butler, he's got an amazing. Christmas is he giving you the evils? Um,
0: is he looking at you next
1: week? <laughs> no, he's in the other. He's in the other room um, writing. Um, um, he he's writing a sequel to spoop which came out a couple of weeks ago. But he's got a very fancy book with um, with your publisher, Scholastic, yes. actually, funnily enough. And it's called Humbug, um, The Elf Who Saved Christmas. And it's got sprayed edges and it's got two foils and it's embossed. And it's, it's a lovely sort of love letter to the NHS. And it's just magical. And it makes you cry. It makes you laugh. So that's another big top tip that's coming out, yes, at the end of October as well.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. So now this is the section of the podcast where, you know, in some podcasts, it's quite difficult. You feel like you can't really talk about, you know, what you're doing next or anything. But this, not this one. We like to give you a shameless plug, Stephen. Shameless shameless, shameless plug. plug. There we go. (laughs) So good we said it twice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I haven't actually got a bath, so I haven't got a shameless plug, but never mind. So that's the end of the podcast. No, thank you. Thank you for letting me rabbit on about my book. I, I basically in, in the midst of lots of series. So I've got a, a new Genie and Teenie is coming out. So this is that's a book number that, four coming out This is a book that you've April. written. You've written
0: these books. Yes. And these are the first yes, books that right. you've written. So most of the time you've collaborated, but these ones you've actually written.
1: I wrote a picture book a few years ago called Princess Daisy and the Dragon and the Nincompoop Knights, <laughs> which was really fun. That's the first picture book I wrote. But yeah, I just decided to write some fiction and my agent um, sort of encouraged me and I had a go. And yes, yeah, so it turned into the Genie and Teenie series, which is going pretty well so far. Number four, Wish Upon a Star, is out in April. And also out in April is the sequel to How to Grow a Unicorn, which is called How to Grow a Dragon. Brilliant. um, Which is written by the brilliant new author, Rachel Morrisrow, who's a genius at rhyme, magical rhyme. And we've signed up to do How to Grow a Mermaid and How to Grow some other bits and pieces as well. So that's going to be a long running series, hopefully. Oh, you're going to be very busy. Um,
0: are you doing yeah, there's so you are doing lots of, you're doing lots of events and stuff and you really enjoy doing those now, don't you?
1: But yeah, no, I do love festivals I had a great time at Henley and Bath um and hoping to go to Edinburgh and things next year it's It's nice it breaks up your days and your weeks, doesn't it because you're just drawing and writing all the time and then suddenly you're thrown in front of a few hundred kids and it's really exciting and
0: they ask you lots of different uh, awkward or difficult questions what what kind of questions do you get asked then? Can you remember any of the like what's the oh you you
1: know are you, are you famous how how much money do you earn how old are <laughs> oh. you is always quite tricky isn't it <laughs> so what mm. do
0: you say I made the mistake I said the other day I made the mistake of saying well how old do you think I am which don't do that
1: oh never say that no, I, know, I'm learned. <laughs> I just say well uh, Stephen with a v which means I was born late 70s apparently because oh. um, Stephen with v's were very trendy in the late. you're 70s, still trendy so, Stephen then, oh thank you stop it what are you after <laughs> um You're not having any of my tangy cheese (laughs) Doritos, and I've got my Um, own.
0: Thanks. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mark's eaten them all. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm trying to, I haven't actually had any terrible questions um, at, at any events, but it is, you know, and you do get asked if, if you can go to the loo quite a lot, especially <laughs> at schools. Oh, can I go to the loo? Your events
0: sometimes are for younger, ch- not all the time, actually, pi- that may be the picture book events, aren't they? The smaller, the
1: younger Yes, the picture you. book events is just a four, four up. And then, yes, with the Genie and Teenie and when we're doing Nothing to See Here Hotel with Stephen, um, then yes, you get more, more um, I won't say more intelligent questions, but just older questions, Where you know, uh, about your career and how to become an author and illustrator so um yes the questions get slightly less awkward the older the children are (laughs) or (laughs) i don't know
0: you know when people say like are you famous or do you know any famous people that's the other one do you know anyone really famous do you know the other famous authors and you've got you can say yes i do like frank got boys david Badil. yeah
1: liz pshaw yeah yeah but you're famous liz you've got your own tv show you've got your own podcast which i hear is amazing (laughs) this
0: episode my podcast is all down (laughs) to the fabulous guests that i have on so exactly and you know i'm i think everyone listening will be absolutely bowled over by all the stories that you've told you've got so many amazing books there's loads of books to look forward to all the collaborations you do all your own books as well that are coming out genie and Teeny, isn't it genie,
1: and Tini, Tini, yeah, genie yeah, yeah yeah series. yeah
0: so so cute they're like like little dinky sized but a really oh, lovely sized book you. as yeah. well and it's a really nice yeah. age group so although
1: it it has been amazing but i do feel that the highlight of this podcast has been the raindrops (laughs) dripping down a drain pipe (laughs) so thanks thanks mark overshadowed by a drain pipe
0: (laughs) yeah but you got it though that was amazing yeah (laughs) anyway so sort of huge great thank you from both of us and I said I know that everyone's going to really oh, enjoy listening and finding out all about the books that you've recommended like I said we'll put everything up on, on the website there'll be links to Stephen's uh, website and all the books that he's talked about and all I can say once again is um, we will meet Big Eared Bob at some point. Absolutely, and um, maybe today. Yes, oh, that would be exciting look, look, see how excited mm, I am not that I don't we'll want to meet see. you as well Stephen
1: <laughs> but
0: yeah that's brilliant, thank you so much, a huge round of applause for Stephen Linton
1: hey thank you very much Yay. thanks guys that was great fun
0: If you've enjoyed this podcast please do like and subscribe and I've been told that it really helps other people to find it and I would love as many children as possible to hear from these amazing creative people that I've talked to and to get inspired to pick up a pen a pencil get creative make up their own stories just like we've done so thanks very much for listening
1: bye